listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boo Crew Media. And of course, you have the DraftKings promo code on the bottom of the screen, SUS, if you're playing on DraftKings. And then we're presented by Ornitos Tequila, the official tequila of Boot Crew Media. And I know a lot of you guys are probably thinking you might need a tequila shot early on this Wednesday morning because we got terrible news regarding Michael Thomas. And I'm going to go through all of this all the the X's and O's, but also the person and the actual human side of things, because I think that's something that kind of gets thrown under the rug when something like this comes out. But let's just get to the nitty gritty of and get down to it. Michael Thomas will not be playing football this year for the New Orleans Saints. And it's something that I kind of started thinking was a realistic you know, situation, possibility for the Saints a couple of weeks ago. And actually, funny enough, maybe not funny. I was at work and I'm talking to my coworkers and, and I'm just, we're talking about Michael Thomas because they're like, you know, doing their usual, just talking about what's going on with your football team and whatnot and asking, hey, you know, when do you think he's going to play? And I, I, not knowing anything, this was just me speculating about, you know, how he just didn't return yet. I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play down for the New Orleans Saints this year. And this wasn't any personal gripe. This wasn't anything. This wasn't me taking it out on MC. I just felt like there's so much unknown and no one's saying anything which made me ask questions. So I said, you know what? I don't think he's going to play this year. Then I'm listening to a live stream yesterday with Nick and Kevin for New Orleans football, which by the way, if you guys don't listen to them, shame on you. They're great. And they're talking about Michael Thomas and Nick is even like, look, it was optimism a couple weeks ago. Now I'm not hearing anything, but Nick did not say he's out for the season, but Nick was just trying to tell you guys like, Hey, this, the mood has changed. Then Ian Rappaport comes out and says, Hey, Michael Thomas has had a setback. We'll see if he could play this year. And then about 20 minutes later, Michael Thomas comes out, puts out a long post about how this is a hard thing for him, and he had a setback in addition to what was already plaguing him with the ankle injury, and he will not play this season. And this leads to a plethora of different emotions. You got the one side of Saints fans who are DMing me saying, let's get Michael Thomas out of there as if I have the magic button, guys, that I could press and Michael Thomas will be gone. You have the others that are saying, oh, we need Michael Thomas. We can't get rid of him and just getting all emotional, defending the player over the team and whatnot. I'm not here to do either. I'm actually going to present both sides because I think when you have a situation like this, it's a little unfair of me to play to one side. And then I'll just kind of tell you what I think should go from here. But I'm going to say it how it is. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But I'm just going to be who I am. And that's that's how I'm going to approach it. But let's get through it. Mike has another setback. He's out for the season. On one hand. I'm relieved. I'm relieved that we now know he's out for the season because I don't have to sit here and wonder, hmm, is Mike going to play for the Falcons game? Well, if he misses the Falcons game, does he play for the Eagles game? And if he misses the Eagles game, will he be back for Thanksgiving? I don't have to do that shit anymore because, man, it was actually really annoying. Like every single week I have to sit here and play a guessing game as to when this guy's going to come back when I have no freaking idea. And clearly the team had no idea either. So on one hand, yeah, it's, it's a relief. I don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to play. Obviously, you want him out there. I mean, if you've seen the Saints receiving corpse, you want Michael Thomas out there, but he's not. Now you don't have to worry about questioning when the hell he's coming back. On the other side, on the other hand, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. I am someone who adamantly, before the 2020 season, would go to bat for Michael Thomas very easy because I, I truly felt he was the best in the game. Now, I think the best in the game is now Devontae Adams. If you don't like that, that's you. The league changes. Every single year, every single year, the league changes. So one year, it's Michael Thomas. Two years later, I think it's Devontae Adams. Now, 
I'm not here to get on the Devontae Adams spiel. What I'm saying is, two years ago, though, I would go to bat for Michael Thomas because I felt he was that good. I felt like he was suddenly emerging as the face of the franchise. And why I say that is, remember in 2019 when he broke the record, Drew Brees missed five games. And that didn't matter for Michael Thomas. He just kept plugging along. He had a 180-yard receiving game with Teddy Bridgewater, and he just seemed fail-proof. Just seemed like he just couldn't not have a big game. That makes any sense. And then I just kind of changed my tune just because I, I don't think it's worth me as a podcast or someone who just tries to cover this team, me just trying to go to bat for player every single time because then I look like a fool. That doesn't mean I'm not that doesn't mean I'm fully defending the Saints. I'll get into it why the Saints are idiots in this too. But I changed my tune. And it stinks that he's not going to be out there. It absolutely stinks. But I'm also not surprised because this is something that I feel like was just stemming from last September. When he gets hurt, in the way that he got hurt, and I'm not one of those, oh, he got hurt because the Saints were running up the score. The Saints were running the football. Had they run a play, like a receiving play, and he got hurt on that, all right, maybe we could get into the logistics of whether or not they ran up the score and got what they deserve. But Latavius Murray fell into him. Nine times out of ten, that is not going to happen. That was the one unlucky time that Mike's just blocking, and he got clipped. It it sucks. It's unfortunate. It's terrible timing. But that's what happened. Like, that's the truth of the matter. And ever since then, it feels like both sides have had animosity. It feels like Michael Thomas isn't fully happy in New Orleans. And let's be real, Sean Payton has no problem taking a shot onto the media. So it's both sides they clash. And that's why I said I'm not going to get on one side of the fence and be like, oh, he was right or they were right. I, I don't really want to do that. Now, I want to preface before I say what I'm about to say by saying this. I hope Michael Thomas is okay. I hope he's doing well. Not with the ankle, mentally. Because I think that's something we forget. And I think that's something last weekend when Calvin Ridley comes out and says, I'm taking a leave of absence from football because I got to get right. I have to take care of my mental health and make sure that I'm okay. That's important. So I hope Michael Thomas mentally, his mental health is okay. I hope he's feeling all right. Because again, this is a competitor who he is fierce, man. And I remember in 2019, he just did some things where I'm like, all right, I mean, I wouldn't do that, but it works for him. It just gets him going. So for him not to be on the field, that's got to sting. So I hope he's all right. I hope mentally he's in a headspace where he feels okay to the point that he can bounce back, whether or not that's with the Saints next year. That's really not my problem. But as long as he can bounce back and be who Mike Thomas is, so you don't have to worry about anything unfortunate happening off the field. So I do hope he's okay. Mental health is very important. And that's why I tip my cap to guys like Calvin Ridley who come out and, and put an emphasis on it. That said, I do think that it's time for this marriage between Michael Thomas and the Saints to come to an end. You don't like that. You might be huffing and puffing. You might be gasping that I said that. And even though that's not a hot take, it's just a take. Maybe a hot take two years ago. It's, it's a take now. I think it's, it's not even a lukewarm take. It's just a regular take. The marriage needs to end between the two of them. And yes, the Saints are better with Michael Thomas. I don't think that is a debate. But they haven't had Michael Thomas for the last two years. And frankly, they're still a damn good team without Michael Thomas. And I think that just kind of leads the Saints to say, all right, can we trade him? Can we get more draft capital? And then that draft capital can be used for whatever it might be. Because I'll come out here on November 3rd, and I'll say, I think the Saints are going to try to trade for Russell Wilson. And if you're going to try and trade for Russell Wilson, you're going to need draft picks. And if you're going to need more draft picks, you're probably going to need to trade some players to get additional draft picks. And if you need someone to get you additional draft picks, I think a wide receiver who broke a record that I do not think will ever get broken again in the NFL will get you draft picks, regardless of injury status. Because that's something that a lot of people told me. Well, if you trade Mike now, I mean, the value is not that good. Okay. Let's just, I get it. 
Mike's value is not as good today as it was two years ago. But I just want to say this. Odell Beckham, who started his career so well with the New York Giants, so well, he's got a bad ankle injury. Next year comes back. He looks okay. doesn't look like himself. Misses the last couple of games because his ankle's bothering him again. Sits out the last four games. Giants trade him with the Browns. And Odell was not, in my opinion, now I know LSU fans are going to get on me for this. I think Michael Thomas at his best is way better than Odell Beckham at his best. And don't give me no gasping bullshit, okay? Michael Thomas at his best had 149 catches in a single season. 149 catches in a single season for 1,725 yards. And that was with Breeze missing five games. That's what he did. So I think Michael Thomas, when healthy, is better than Odell Beckham. That put to the side. Odell Beckham got a first, a third, and Jabril Peppers. That's what Odell Beckham got them. Why can't Michael Thomas get a similar deal? Maybe take the the player out of it. Why can't Michael Thomas fetch a first and a third from a team that is wide receiver hungry? And you might say, oh my God, but the risk is so high. Why would a team do that? Okay, but the reward is just as high because we all know us Saints fans how good Michael Thomas is when he's healthy. Again, we haven't seen it in two years, but we, we know how good he is when he's healthy. So I think that this marriage has to end. I, I think it's there's one too many strikes here. And again, I think they're both to blame, and I'll get into why the Saints are blame in a second. But when your player gets hurt in September, you want him to get sur- sur- surgery in February. The surgery doesn't happen till June. He ghosts you in the middle of that period. I just think it's best for both sides. I just think it's best for both sides. Mike needs a fresh start where he feels like he's he wasn't betrayed or whatnot because I don't know what's going on there. And the Saints need a fresh start and get rid of Michael Thomas because maybe if they get rid of Michael Thomas, they'll realize that it's time to draft a receiver or trade for a receiver or sign a receiver. Just get a receiver. That's all I'm saying, guys. That's all I'm saying. I'm losing my mind here. But, man, it's, it's wild to me. I actually, I still am baffled by how this situation played out. Because if you told me two years ago, this Michael Thomas thing is just going to snowball out of control, I would laugh at you. I'd say, oh, maybe Lattimore, maybe Kamara. Oh, no, I, I'm wrong. And I, I'll wear that on my shoulder. But I just think this marriage isn't working. I think it's time for a change. Now, let me get into why the Saints are to blame here. Because you might think that I'm bashing on Michael Thomas and whatnot, but even though that's not my intent. The Saints are to blame here, too. Because you knew Michael Thomas got surgery in June. You knew he was ghosting you in March and April and May. And what did you do at receiver? You drafted Chris Hogan. Uh, you drafted, uh, excuse me, Kwan Baker in the seventh round. You signed Chris Hogan out of the lacrosse league. You did nothing. You did nothing. You absolutely did nothing. Oh, yeah, you got me Kenny Stills in September. You, you signed Kevin White, who, by the way, if Kevin White can you know, make some type of resurgence here. That'd be hilarious. But I don't know if that's even, you know, realistic. So you haven't done anything to really address receiver. Then push comes to shove. This this Michael Thomas news, in my opinion, he announced it today. I think he told the team a couple days ago. For them to be that aggressive at the trade deadline for a receiver, it's like they knew Mike's not coming back. So the trade deadline comes up. And oh boy, were you guys ready to fire at the Saints? Why didn't you get Odell Beckham? Or why didn't you get Darius Slayton? Or why didn't you get Denzel Mims? Or why didn't you get whichever receiver? Just insert the name there. Did you ever think that maybe the Saints didn't want to trade a second or a third round pick or maybe a fourth round pick or whatnot for a receiver in a year where realistically, are they going to win a Super Bowl? Maybe you guys don't like that I'm saying that, but realistically, if the Saints trade for Odell Beckham, Granted, oh man, that that would be fun for the next, what, we got 10 weeks left of the season. That'd be really fun. Does Odell Beckham with Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon as his quarterback, is that team winning a Super Bowl? 
The answer's probably no. And I think if the Saints in the in the back of their mind are saying the grand scheme of things is to land a superstar quarterback in the offseason, then I don't think they want to get rid of a lot of picks. On the flip side, I want to just add this too. This is this is just strictly on Odell Beckham here. I'm not going to blame the Saints if they don't get Odell Beckham when the Cleveland Browns refuse to trade a guy who is not working for them. It's not working. It's like you see a dude in a bad relationship and he's never happy and you know he used to have some shine, but now the shine's gone. He's not smiling anymore. He's not doing any of that. That's Odell Beckham in Cleveland. He's not having any fun. He's not getting targeted. I know people are going to say he lost a step, and I think he did lose a step, but man, you guys see the videos people post. He's open. Baker's just not hitting him. And Cleveland, for some godforsaken reason, thinks that in week nine of the 2021 season, when it hasn't been working for the first two and a half years, all of a sudden this marriage between Odell and Cleveland's going to work. It's not going to. Spoiler alert. So, you know, you want to hold him hostage, then how can I really blame the Saints for not getting him? What I can blame the Saints for is neglecting the position in March and in April and in May and in June and in July and in August and in September and in October. You get the hint here? I'm not going to blame them in the 11th hour for not getting a receiver. I'm blaming them for the first 10 that they didn't get a receiver. Because, man, this... I don't understand how a team where your coach is a genius, offensively speaking, your coach is a genius. It's an offensive league. And yet you don't value the receiver position. Think about the best offenses in this league and what they do at receiver. Think about the Bucks. You got Evans. You got Godwin. You got AB. And guess what? They drafted Tyler Johnson last year. They drafted Jalen Darden this year. I bet next year they'll draft a receiver. How about the Cowboys? You already got Amari Cooper. You had Michael Gallup. Last year they took CeeDee Lamb. And everyone was like, oh, why would you take CeeDee Lamb? You already got receivers. You think they regret that pick? They sure as shit do not regret that pick. And then on top of it, they even drafted a receiver this year from Stanford. They got Cedric Wilson. They got weapons. How about the Chiefs? Every single year, the Chiefs are taking receiver. Every single year. The league has changed. And and again, even if you thought Trey Quan Smith was going to take a leap and Marquez Callaway was going to take, take a leap and Deontay Harris was going to take a leap, one of those guys has taken a leap. I think Deontay has taken that leap. But Traquan, I don't know. And now with Jameis out, you're not going to find out, in my opinion. And then even Callaway. Callaway, I thought, looked promising. But again, that's all predicated on them not being a number one, a number two, a number three. But now that's what they have to be with Michael Thomas out for the year. So the whole receiver position, I can get on to like about a 50-minute spiel about why this team botched it. I'm not going to do it because I'm going to spare your time on a Wednesday, and I don't need you guys listening to me rambling on and on. But... It is, it's crazy to me how a team that really is so well run and a team that is always in contention for the last five years, let's just call it is. In the last five years, the Saints have been arguably the best team in football. And I, I don't even think it's arguably. I think they have been the best team in football the last five years. Of course, they don't have a, a ring to show for it, but that, that's you know besides the point. How do you not address the receiver position? That's something we're going to ask. And I'll, I'll tell you what, though. They're definitely going to address it this offseason. They've heard enough shit from us. You got reporters who I know did not necessarily value the receiver position as much as fans did, per se. And even them, they've, they've switched their tone. They're saying, okay, yeah, they, they need receivers up in here. And that's, that's just it. That is absolutely a problem for the Saints. But I think, maybe this is just blind optimism, I think that will get sorted out. I really do. I think in the offseason they'll figure it out. It'll be frustrating because you'll feel like you wasted this season with no receivers, but I, I think that they're going to figure out the receiver problem in the offseason, but we'll go from there. Anyway, guys, 
We got a football game this weekend. I know it's hard to think about that because the biggest thing right now is Michael Thomas and whether or not Michael Thomas is going to play and everyone getting into this fiasco. But you got the Saints and you got the Falcons. And I don't care if Trevor, Trevor Simeon's starting. I don't care if Taysom Hill's starting. I don't care if it's Alvin Kamara, the emergency quarterback, starting. I don't care who's starting. You got the Saints. You got the Falcons. It should be fun. It should be intense. And I know Twitter's going to be a shit show, and I'm here for it. So, who starts at quarterback? That's a million-dollar question. And my Lord, did I get ripped on Twitter for saying that I kind of think Taysom Hill is the better quarterback option out of the two. I got ripped for it. And let me just say something real quick, because I think this is very important. I do not care who starts for the New Orleans Saints. I do not care. Jameis Winston was QB1, without a doubt. He's out for the season, unfortunately. I do not care if, if Sean Payton rolls the dice with Trevor Simeon. I do not care if, if Sean Payton says, you know what, Taysom, let's go. throw. You know, let's, let's see if you can throw this ball around. I do not care. Because as long as Sean Payton's calling the plays, I have faith in the Saints team to be a playoff team. Because that's the end goal here. It's not rattle off 10 straight wins. The end goal is to be a wild card team. And right now the Saints are a wild card team. And I think if they continue to stack up wins, by the middle of December, you will feel like, all right, they're going to clinch a spot here easily. So that's all that matters to me. Now, who do I think will start? I think it all comes down to Wednesday is going to be really telling. If Taysom Hill's not ready to go Wednesday and he's still a little behind, there is no reason to start him. You probably start Trevor Simeon. You incorporate Taysom Hill as that do-it-all guy and you activate Ian Book and he is your third quarterback, you know, your backup per se, that has to play if shit hits the fan, which you got to do. Now, I want to also say this. If Taysom Hill does become the starter, which I think is like a 50-50 chance of happening, I think there needs to be something engraved where, Taysom, watch how Jameis played, and when nothing was there, or at least Jameis didn't see anything, what did he do? He took off. And before anyone says, oh, but, you know, Jameis got hurt taking off, Jameis got hurt because it was a horse-collar tackle. If that didn't happen, Jameis Winston doesn't get hurt. Like, that's just that's just the, the fact of the matter. So... If you play Taysom, I think there needs to be some type of way to speed up that internal clock because you can't sit in the pocket for seven seconds. After three, four, nothing's there. Just take off. You're fast enough to outrun defenders. Just go do it. And it's weird because Taysom Hill as a starter is so much different from Taysom Hill when he's not starting. When he's not starting, if he's in the pocket, if nothing's there, he just kind of just goes. He just goes. But when he's starting, I think he's so focused on saying, I'm a pocket quarterback. I can do this. I can do that. And it doesn't look great. So I have to see. I think timing-wise, the edge goes to Simeon. I think Simeon has this offense on pace and on page better than uh, Taysom would. I think the upside is higher with Taysom. But I think the downside is if Taysom doesn't play that well, but you are winning games, you're probably not going to pull him from the starting spot because you don't want to give him sour grapes. And at the same time, then you don't have him as a gadget player. There's just so many moving parts here. That's why I'm just going to repeat what I just said. I do not care who starts against the Atlanta Falcons because that's not going to determine what wins this game. What determines what wins this game is whether or not the Saints can continue to play the way they've played on defense. And if this defensive line can get after Matt Ryan, who struggled last week against the Panthers and threw two interceptions and was under a lot of pressure. I mean, his hand was gushing blood at one point, literally. Search it up if you want. It's kind of disgusting. That's important. Can this offense that is predicated on moving the chains via the ground and just dominating the line of scrimmage, can they do that? I think they can. And then it all comes down to this simple thing. Can your quarterback take care of the football? And I think that is going to be the one thing I'm going to preach every single game that the Saints have the rest of the season. You are so good defensively. 
outside of skeptical kicking, you are actually really good in special teams because the Saints play the field position game probably better than most teams. Whether it's Gillikin just, you know, drilling punts down the field or the coverage that they have on those punts, that's also great. So if Brian Johnson can get rolling, the Saints will have an A-plus special teams with an A-plus defense. And yeah, the offense will be, you know, a C. But if you're not turning over the football, that, that doesn't matter. That really doesn't matter. So do not turn over the football. And a couple of things that I'm interested in seeing, can you get pressure on Matt Ryan? We saw what happens when you do that. The Panthers did a good job of doing that. And how do you attack certain players on the Falcons, offensively speaking? Now, no Calvin Ridley. I mentioned it before. He's taking a break from football because of his mental health. So I'm wishing him all the best. We know what Calvin brings to the table. So what matters right now is that Calvin gets the help that he needs to feel like he can be Calvin Ridley on and off the field. But the off, you know, the on the field part comes second. Off the field, can Calvin Ridley feel like he's Calvin Ridley? And then if he feels that way, then hopefully he can come back and play football. So Calvin not playing, obviously, is going to hurt. Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson. Those are the two guys that you're looking at and you're saying, how do you match up against them? Because they're so unique. I think Kyle Pitts is starting to come into his own. And I'm really curious, how do the Saints match up with him? Because I think Malcolm Jenkins does an extraordinary job against the bruiser tight ends. You see him against a Gronk. I'm going to go with Malcolm Jenkins. I think he wins that matchup. You go back to week two of last season, you put him up against a speed guy like a Darren Waller. Not great. So do the Saints kind of go with another corner? Do they let Gardner Johnson handle him? Do they maybe bring Bradley Roby in as that third cornerback to kind of handle that tight end position? Because I think you got to treat Kyle Pitts like a receiver, not a tight end. That, that's just me. So how do they do that? How do you account for Cordell Patterson? You have to have a plan in place for him. And if you got a plan in place for those two guys and you can at least bottle up one of them, I think it makes it really tough for this Falcons offense. And with it being at home and with the Saints being in this state right now where they are just next man up this whole season, and boy, are they showing they're a lot deeper than a lot of us, including myself, thought they were coming into this year. I think there's still that chip on this team's shoulder. I don't know when that chip comes off. I don't know if it does come off. And as long as that chip is still there, I think this defense is going to play with a fiery intent. You know that some of them, like Cam Jordan, love playing the Atlanta Falcons. This is where they elevate their game. So I'm very curious to see how this team plays against the Falcons. I am picking the Saints. I think it's going to be a close game. I do not think the Saints have enough offensive firepower, excuse me, to really just blow past teams. I just don't think they do. Now, if the defense goes liked out against Atlanta, then that's when you can be talking about a potential blowout or whatnot. But I, I don't think it's going to be the case. I think you're looking at like a 20 to 17 type game. I, I think it's going to be close. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I hope I am. Uh, but I think it's going to be close. I think this defense does enough. And, and that's going to be the key for so many weeks. Defense has to do its thing. Offense has to give you just a little bit to just move the chains and, and not tire out. Just play the time possession game is really important. But I'm going to say one more time. I do not care who the quarterback is, is on Sunday. All I care is that the Saints get the W. I think the Saints will get the W. And I will be here live on the Straight Up Saints podcast to break down what goes on in that Saints-Falcons game and kind of you know assess where that team is going to be going into Week 10. But it's all about what happens in Week 9. It's all about if the Saints can beat the Falcons. And I really do think this is an important game. I think for the Saints specifically, just to prove how important this game is real quick, Buccaneers are not playing this week. The Saints win this game. Believe it or not, the Saints have the same record as the Buccaneers, which would be wild to say because one team is getting no coverage and the other team is obviously, I'm not going to go there. You know what I think about the other team, the way they get covered. It's a, it's a term that will not be said here, but 
it's a little ridiculous for that side. So if they can win this game, you'll be six and two. And I think the wild card team for me, I think it's a ten and seven or a nine and eight team. And if the Saints can inch up to six and two, the margin for error it expands. And when the margin for error expands, that's a good thing for a Saints team that doesn't have their starting quarterback, that doesn't have their number one wide receiver, that doesn't have their number one left guard, that doesn't have a bunch of other players on this team right now because this team is injured. But they find a way, they bounce back. That's a testament to Sean Payton. That's a testament to Dennis Allen. It's a testament to the coaching staff and just the toughness they've been they've instilled in this team. So we'll see what happens. Can you cover Kyle Pitts? Do you got a plan in place to cover Cordell Patterson? Can you get pressure on Matt Ryan? Offensively speaking, run the ball, control the clock, and let your defense do the rest from there. So I got the Saints winning 20 to 17. We'll see if that prediction holds. All that matters for me is the Saints can get a win. You know they're playing the Falcons. You want to beat the Falcons every year. We'll see what happens there. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Guys, do not, and I mean do not let this Michael Thomas news ruin your day. I think that I, I want to point something out real quick before I log off. Football is a very emotionally draining game. And I think when all that matters to you is that your team is Super Bowl or bust, then you can't enjoy this season. Because no matter what they do, no matter who they beat, no matter how the journey goes, if it doesn't end on that final destination where it's a Super Bowl, in your mind, it's disappointment. For me personally, my mindset has changed. You take the wins with the losses. You take everything that goes there. And you enjoy a win over Brady and the Bucks with Trevor Simeon. You enjoy if they beat the Falcons this week with a banged up team. You kind of enjoy those little wins along the way. You want more good weeks and bad weeks. It makes it much more enjoyable. I, I can't, you know, force that on you guys, but I, I just think it's a nice little piece of advice as we go through the rest of the season. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, guys. I appreciate you for tuning in. We'll see what happens with the Saints game on Sunday. If they could win that, build more momentum going into the, the middle of their schedule in November, that would be great for them. But it's not going to be an easy task. Division opponent, big rival, Saints-Falcons hate week. Let's get it. I'll be back here on Sunday to preview, or not preview, excuse me, break down and review the Saints-Falcons game. Hopefully, then ends up in a W for our black and gold. See you later, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you guys on Sunday. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.